Hello out there, it's Tom. Long time, no podcast episodes. Listeners of this show are probably familiar with the fact that there is a backlog delay of episodes so that they don't get released for several months, and the situation has kind of gotten out of hand such that this episode is posting over a year after we recorded it. Wow. So it was recorded, and when we say it was recorded in October 2022, even though it was being released in October 2023... I don't want you to think that that's a mistake, except perhaps in the greater sense that my mismanagement of our podcast episodes may be a mistake, which is why I wanted to record this little thing up front to acknowledge the vast gulf of time between the world as it was when we recorded this and as it stands now, and also to let you know that you can expect to hear from us more regularly over the next few weeks and that we appreciate your listening and your patience. Okay, now here's an episode. Welcome to Social Distance Warriors, a podcast about the COVID-19 pandemic and related things that happen and whatever. <laughs> My name is Tom. It's uh, it's October 19th in the year 2022. I'm not an expert in anything, perhaps less than ever. Very well said. Um, yeah, we talk about the COVID pandemic. We talk about our lives. Uh, I'm Rat. I'm also not an expert. Um, how's it going, Rat? It's going. Many things are happening. Um, I believe since we last recorded, I have uh, officially uh, legally changed my name in the eyes of the government. Nice. <laughs> um, so that's nice. Has this manifested any change for you in tangible ways? Um, actually, no, because uh, sort of the way they do it currently is having a legal name change is a very bureaucratic process that then kind of gives me the ticket to start the next set of bureaucratic processes where I get to change my name on my birth certificate and passport and social security card. Mm. I am now capable of doing that because I have legal name change from a judge who gives me permission to do that, but it does not magically have those things be done. So um, it really materially has like, or like it has done very little uh, because I have not acted on anything since having that happen, but I now have the ability to. So there's that. Well, that is good. Uh, do you have the intention to, to do all that I, stuff? I, soon? I do. And um, I guess for listeners, uh, my legal name is not rat and, will not be but i feel much better for example like uh i had to go like transfer my driver's license uh before i had gotten the name change so that felt very backwards to me because i was using the old driver's license to renew it and then transfer it to pennsylvania because i had taken a long time to do that was very frustrating because i had to do it under a name i do not use but now, sort of, even though it is a lot of work involved and could be better, this at least feels like forward progress uh, because I get to do processes to get 
the actual name I want people to call me. You know, the next time I'm renewing my driver's license, it will be that as opposed to, oh, I have to renew my driver's license so I'm able to drive even though it's not going to be a name that I use. Um, So it's just uh, still work involved, but much more stuff that I would want to do than uh, before. Did you ever consider making Rat your legal name? Uh, No, not at all because uh that rat's not for the government that's that's uh, my casual name they don't need that i don't want them to have it my workplace and the government get one piece of me and that piece is not rat that is uh yeah that's a that's a good way of looking at it yeah that's one way to do names uh, i don't it's not how everyone does it but that's how i've uh, decided to do it having having like uh, multiple nicknames does you know cause some confusion because of sort of the way that our bureaucracies are set up where they really do want you to have like a formal one name that you use kind of everywhere hmm. but uh it also has its advantages. Yeah, I can see how it would. So that that was one new thing for me since we last recorded. Hmm. Since we last recorded, I had COVID-19. You did. Um, and I don't know if you've currently uh, still are in that, but um, yeah, that sounded very bad. I'm sorry that that happened. How are you feeling? Oh, I'm, I th- I'm now fine. It wasn't, it wasn't a particularly severe case. Like, I think, I think the main, the main thing that, um, I would have been most worried about was if I had any serious respiratory issues, Yeah, which I did not. I was, it was essentially just a very bad cold. That's how it expressed itself for me, which has convinced me that this whole pandemic is a lie and <laughs> they made it all up oh, and no. it's not that bad and people just need to suck it up. Okay, five minutes into this episode of <laughs> Social uh, no, Distance I, Warriors, we have to, we have to part ways because... <laughs> I am not convinced of any of those things. In fact, I'm convinced that all those things aren't true. Um, okay. But okay. I'm also not sure whether this was the first time I had COVID, mm-hmm. but it is the first time I had a positive COVID test. And I found it interesting that my my test was not recorded anyway. Like nobody took down the fact that I had COVID and submitted that to whoever compiles the numbers for how many people have COVID. How did you, did you at home test or how did you test? I did an at home test. I did. So, so I went to a wedding um, around October 1st and uh, I, I was not as cautious as I might've been. A number of people at that wedding got, got COVID. I started to feel sick about three or four days after the wedding. And then I started testing on a daily basis after that, just to, just to monitor things. And I think the third time I tested was when uh, I popped a positive. And at that point, I was already feeling pretty sick, so it was. It didn't feel to me like I had received additional bad news when I tested it. Just like, yep, that this just puts mm. a name to the thing that's already happening. Yeah. But yeah, it, it was. It was. It was rough. It was not fun. But it wasn't. Uh, at no point did I feel like, oh, I'm in. I'm in very serious danger, which is good. Yeah, I guess I will ask. Like, is there in any way that having gotten COVID and gotten that confirmation? feels like any sort of relief or is that not uh, an emotion involved uh i don't know about relief it's interesting because you know we we last time we spoke we discussed whether the pandemic was over or not <laughs> yes um, yes and Check, checking in with i i don't know if we were checking in with uh president biden who uh had been saying that but 
that might have been around that time we were last recording. Yeah, and I don't know if the data supports this, but it feels anecdotally to me like a lot of people have been getting COVID since then, like at least around me. But I, even though I, I didn't feel like I was ready to sign on to the notion that the pandemic was over, but I did, I, I think, I do think I said in the previous episode, like, I feel like I personally am ready to turn a corner in my attitudes about it and stop allowing it to become kind of an alibi for me not to do certain things in my life. Yeah. And I do feel like having COVID and getting through it, it felt almost like a sort of rebirth, like a baptism into the new world of, yes, I've, I've finally undergone this thing. Because it coincided with that way of thinking, it's like, all right, I need to go through this. And once I am, once I am fully healed, it's, it's the new me. It's the new um, post-COVID me to uh, ready to shake things up and change things. And uh, the reality is I haven't really done that much shaking up and changing <laughs> things. But I feel like I have a different attitude about certain certain things uh, now and feel like ready to I feel like I'm ready to move forward through the next phase of the pandemic. Not like, oh, we need to move on from the pandemic. It's over. It, I had it. It's not that bad, but more like, all right, it's it's uh, time. I also don't know if I'm 100 percent recovered. You may hear <laughs> some illness in my voice. I don't know about that. Okay, But I it's funny, I am now like sniffling and sneezing a bit, which are not symptoms I had when I was feeling at my worst. So it could be that I just transitioned straight from COVID into seasonal allergies, which is a sort of a baptism life transition of a different sort, and hopefully just a, a temporary one. So <laughs> I have been sniffling and sneezing a bit, though, but I, I don't know, I don't think I'm contagious or anything. Not to not to sound like guy who's only played uh, Kingdom Hearts voice, but sure. you <laughs> talked about sort of it feeling like a rebirth, and that's very Kingdom Hearts to me. Mm. Uh, perhaps uh, in rebuilding your new self uh, out of the pieces of your having now had COVID self, uh, what remains? Perhaps you can build a new a new self. Yeah, birth, uh, from that birth by COVID. Birth by COVID. I don't know if I'd uh, been already um, starting to uh, play slash watch someone else play uh, Birth by Sleep when we last recorded. Probably not. But that's where I met in my Kingdom Hearts uh, saga. So it is okay. very apt. You've now pulled ahead of me because that's where I left off. And oh, never, okay. N- yeah. So I'm not really familiar with anything after um, th- 358 over two days. Um, yes. Yeah. So please light, go light on the spoilers. Um, <laughs> I know. I know some. I know some general things, though. Because prior to playing any of the games, I listened to a podcast where they discussed the lore of Kingdom Hearts in detail. And uh, so a lot of that just washed over me and has now been, it's another kind of rebirth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, a lot of that I've been, I've been bathed in the waters of it and purified, uh, but I, I no longer have the um, a lot of the specifics. I know that there's a guy named um, uh, Ventus. And there's also mm-hmm. a guy named Ven, and there's a guy named Vanitas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I know there's a guy named Lingering Will, but I don't know what Lingering Will's deal is, other than the fact that his name is, or their name is Lingering Will. I, I, will, I will let these truths continue <laughs> to live I, <laughs> uh, and, until you uh, do end up playing Birth by Sleep. I will say, like, generally, it is a bit of an adjustment, the same way going from Chain of Memories to Kingdom Hearts 2 was this jump from 358 over two days 
to Birth by Sleep. Chain of Memories and 358 Over Two Days, to me, are very well crafted. The story is very well tied to how you, the player, are playing the game. The mechanics kind of thematically support the story. And Birth by Sleep is very much like, hey, we got all these new mechanics uh, that we're trying out. We got the command deck. We got like mini games. Do you want to play mini games? We've got sticker albums. Everyone's always, as they're traveling to worlds, they're updating their sticker album or doing um, different things uh, to play mini games. And it's like, this is not tie in thematically at all. So it is very much a like, adjustment for me I'm not having a bad time it's just kind of telling a a different way to experience the games where I have to do some interpreting whereas with the kind of more tightly crafted games I was like oh let's kind of piece apart sort of how everything has been so lovingly put together and I kind of like think of it as like oh this is a game where there's just a lot of ingredients and I I kind of have to do the cooking mm-hmm. but yes uh, I had I, I guess you won't understand but I had even more far out there predictions about the game before I started playing that were um how do I say immediately proven wrong <laughs> I what you will find in the first two seconds of the game is that Tara is not as I had somehow surmised Tara is not uh, a girl who is best friends with Axel and loves the ocean but that's who Hmm. I thought Tara was well I already know that Tara is a guy Tara's a guy, yeah. Yeah, there is there is a character named Aqua who I know Aqua would yeah. you know make sense to be associated with the ocean. That's not what Past Rat had internalized before playing uh, hmm. playing the game. Uh, but God, I want to live in a world where uh, Tara is a girl who loves the ocean. Well, you know, I mean, these fictional narratives belong to those of us <laughs> who take them into our lives and our hearts. So if you want to live in that world. I don't see what's stopping you. So true. Very <laughs> you, true. Uh, th- there's fan fiction. That's what that's what fan fiction is for. I had a very strange experience today. Okay. Today, I had an extensive neuropsych evaluation. Okay. Um, was that in person or was that somehow a telehealth experience? This was in person. It was part two of a two-part experience. The first part was telehealth. This is an interesting experience because it was in per- it was a partially in-person telehealth experience. Oh, I've had some of those before. Yeah, say more. Part of which involved a doctor. I go into a doctor's office, sit down at a computer, and have a Zoom call with a doctor who is in the same office suite in another room. And I will see them in person for part of the experience, but for other parts of the experience, they are Zooming me from another room that is decorated exactly like the room that I'm in. Yes, like the Wizard of Oz, you're sort of like you get sort of before you see the doctor behind the curtain, you get to sort of see their like you you have to engage with their avatar first. And if you do not run away in fear. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't run away. I think that was key. Although for an evaluation like that, it's possible that there are no wrong answers and that if I had chosen to run away, that would be um, that would have a (laughs) documented as part of the test. Yeah, yeah, that that would have diagnostic purposes. Um, Have you ever had a, a neuropsych evaluation? I have not really beyond like in high school, hey, this kid is depressed, uh, sort of nothing more detailed than that. And I imagine this uh, was more detailed than that. Yeah, it was about three or four hours and involved a gamut of strange tests of the sort that 
don't know. I feel like so many of the things that happen to us in the context of a doctor's office would be considered abuse if they happened elsewhere. Yeah. But uh, I think that's the, just the nature of, of medicine. Like, for instance, one of those things is surgery. Like, if someone if someone were to, uh, you know, cut me open and fuse my vertebrae together, as they did when I was 16, outside of the context of an operating theater, and without my consent, that would probably be pretty bad. But anyhow, this, was, this, this felt like, it, it, it was an experience that felt to me like in movies or TV shows where someone is being psychologically tortured. Mm. by being forced to undergo a battery of nonsense tests that are unfair and designed to make you uh, doubt yourself and feel bad. But uh, I think... That doesn't sound fun. Why did you do that? <laughs> well, I mean, because I wanted to be tested. I mean, I, I feel like... Um, have you ever seen the show Lost? <laughs> I have not. I have heard you uh, talk somewhat about the show Lost. Uh, okay. But I have not seen more than a brief... A number of episodes of the first season. Okay, there's a major subplot that runs throughout, especially the second season of Lost, where a guy is uh, forced, he, he's forced into a living situation where he, every 108 minutes, he has to go to a computer and type in the sequence of numbers 4, 8, 15, 16, 23, 42, and then hit enter. And he is told that if he doesn't do this, every 108 minutes for the rest of his life, then the world will be destroyed. And so he does it, not really understanding whether that's true or not, but not wanting to risk it. And it's theorized at some point that what if this is just a test to see if you'll do it? And this is construed as sinister, like the notion that like, oh, like someone is manipulating you just to research human psychology and gain insight at your expense. And they've deceived you into doing this. Uh, however, what I did was like, I signed up to be psychologically tested and to be told to do a series of bizarre things. I think the most emotionally distressing thing for me was, I don't know how appropriate it is for me to discuss this because other people might undergo psychological testing, but oh, well, I'm going to um, do it. I, I would also venture to guess that you're not the first person who's taken these diagnostic texts, tests, tests and then um, spoken about them or blogged about them. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, what, what, one thing that I had to do was um, – there was like a computer program where I, w I had to stare at a black screen and then occasionally a letter would briefly flash on the screen in white. And if the letter briefly flashed, I had to immediately, as quickly as I possibly could, as I physically possibly could, they kept saying that word, as quickly as you physically can, hit the space bar on the computer, unless it was an X, in which case I could not. So I was constantly keyed up awaiting stimulus. And like, if it's not an X, and, and they, do not, they do not come at a regular rate, Mm -hmm. They came like, you know, B, L, M, T, U, X, V, Z. Like, uh, like it was, it was like irregular in a way that, I don't know. I feel like if I were trying to unsettle someone, these are the sorts of things I might do to them. Yeah. Um, but it serves a diagnostic purpose, like, because the, it, it's going to answer, it's hopefully going to answer some questions about me that I do, I do legitimately want answers for and might, might provide help, help to me. And th that test was particularly punishing because the, they started off, okay, we're going to do a sample just so you learn how it works. We're going to do a 60 second version of the test. And so it was 60 seconds long. And I was like, okay, fine. Yeah, that, I can do this. And they said, okay, so now, now we're going to do it. And it's going to be considerably longer than the other version of the test. And she go, runs through the instructions, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, wait, wait hold on. Can you tell me how long it's going to be? Like, how long? Uh, and she said, no, I cannot tell you how long it's going to be. Just know that it's going to be significantly longer. That is distressing. It's very distressing because you're told to do your best and do, like, as good as you can do because 
the test is meant to, you know, use diagnostic criteria that are based on the notion that you're really trying this here. So, so, so I'm, I'm a, I'm a elite gamer. I'm a, I'm a, you know, king of video games. So I've done, I've done stuff like this before in the context of like Mario Party mini games or whatever. And I just gotta press the right button at the right time. Uh, but be careful, don't press it when they show the X. Um, and so I'm like keyed up. I'm in like elite gamer mode, and I don't know how long I'm gonna have to be in that mode. And I now don't know how long I was like, I don't know how long that took. I don't, I think it was more than three minutes, mm-hmm. but, and I think it was less than 13 minutes, but I have no idea how long it was. It just, it was, it felt so strange and I don't know, like it felt, it felt emotionally distressing. Yeah. I also don't know how well I did in terms of like how well people usually perform on the test because that kind of information is not available to me. But I do know that I I had a number of instances where it's like I, you almost got me with that X, but I I I got it and I didn't. And then I had a number of instances where I was like, damn it, damn it, why did I press the space bar? It was an X. They tricked me. And I felt I felt like you know that there were one second pauses, there were three second pauses, and then there were like um, instances where it just like and. It, it was very unnerving. I even said to the uh, person administering the test afterward, she was like, are you okay? Are you re- do you need a break? Are you ready to proceed with more tests? And I was like, you know, it's so interesting that like, if this is something my boss asked me to do, I would file a complaint with HR because, <laughs> because it like, if, if this were happening somewhere else, it would be abuse or torture. Uh, these are just these things. Yeah, and she was like sympathetic. She's like, no one likes that test. That's almost everyone's least favorite part. But yeah, that, uh, yeah, that, that, that was just one of many, many, many different tests that I had to take. Yeah, no, it's a big uh, ask, I feel like, I find in terms of, like, sacrifice of, like, dignity, perhaps, or, like, knowing what's going on to kind of, like, put yourself in a situation where it's, like, you want medical advice or assistance, and it's, like, sometimes the response is, like, well, play play my little games, uh, and in your case, it is literally, play my little games, Uh <laughs> And and sort of dance for me uh, in hopes of getting that answer. That is that is a lot to put yourself through, even again willingly. Yeah, and I, I don't resent these these people. They seem very nice. I don't think that they're they, they're doing something wrong. I don't even know if there's a better way to do it. it it's just that like um, I felt like th- there were some other tests where it was like it was like they were giving me a, te- a test and like you have to you have to fill out these parts of the form and you must fill them out in order. Um, and I wanted to say like. But if I were doing this for real, I, I wouldn't necessarily go in order. I would, I would, but the point is not to like test how well I perform on a task that I will need to repeat in the real world. It's to poke and prod at my brain to understand some underlying conditions within it. Yeah. And it's just, it's just a very strange thing to go through. <laughs> and you're given so little feedback on like how well you're doing. But th- there were some, there were some moments where I, I felt, I felt really uh, foolish. Like I was like, wow, they're asking me to do something and I cannot believe I cannot do it. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's so funny. I uh, feel you're describing your test uh, in some ways feels very similar to the name change uh, ceremony Mm. process, uh, which was in front of a a judge. Just there were not obviously like battery of tests that we had to undergo. Um, It was very much a formality, but there was an element of it, it was also like this is this is name change day. Everyone in the like county you live in uh, who's filing a name change, all like 30 of you are like here going before the judge on this day. Mm. But there were very specific kind of conditions that had to be met 
So I had an attorney, so the attorney said this for me, but like each person had to have themselves or their attorney go up and like say a very, uh, I guess like cast spell of please accept this name change petition in a very kind of particular sequence of phrases. And then technically the judge could just be like, yes, I approve it, but that's not what she did <laughs> um, in, I guess, trying to make it feel personable to each of us um she would like i don't know point something out or like try and have a conversation with like each person who was coming up and like for me it was like oh are you are you happy to be here i can't tell because because i was wearing a mask Mm. um or like oh uh someone was changing their name uh and it was uh someone who was short and the judge was like oh a petite name for a petite person kind of like doing little bits for each of the (laughs) Each of the name changes, uh, granting all of them, Mm. but there was that element of like, you got to play the game a little bit in this room. You must come before the king. To get what you want, which is like, yeah, uh, in in your case, you're playing the game that does cause you some distress, but hopefully in the name of getting answers that you want. Uh, And in my case, it was like, well, this is the best case you can ever really be uh, in a courtroom before a judge, but you still do have to kind of play this game in order to get what you want, because at any moment, kind of, it, it can come back that <laughs> you are in a courtroom where people do go before someone who has a lot of power over them. Mm, yeah. I think a lot about about this, especially in terms of the show Lost, where um, a lot of the quote-unquote mysterious things that happen on that show, including the aforementioned thing about putting the numbers into the computer. My understanding of that show is that those things are meant to be symbolic of a sort of cruel, capricious world that requires strange things of you for reasons that are not fully understood. You're put in situations that are not fair. What what do human beings do in this situation that is fundamentally a metaphor for the world in which we live? Because that is like the, the nature of, of the world itself, ha, like it is naturally cruel and capricious in many ways. And many of the systems that we build upon it, such as the bureaucracy that requires you to do certain things before you're allowed to change your name or or like, you know, the, the capitalist bureaucracy that re- requires you to sell your labor for money to survive. Uh, like th- these are these are cruel things that are not are not built to like contribute to human success and uh, and like growing and becoming your best self. They're just strange, mysterious and uh not subject to your approval or consent, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's have have you have you ever um have you ever been in a cruel and capricious uh, world? Yes, yeah, have you ever seen one of those? <laughs> They're wild. Um, are you familiar with the show Severance? Um, I'm familiar with the show. I have not seen it. I have read a think piece on it. Because mm. it reminds me a little bit of what you were saying earlier about your name and about how you have split yourself into two different uh, – there's a person that work gets and there's a person that the rest of your life gets. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. And that's the premise of Severance is that the the employees of this company have undergone a uh, procedure to create alter, an alternate persona, one that only exists in work and has no knowledge of the outside world and one that only exists in the outside world and has no knowledge of work. And uh, one of the things they do when they're in the office, they don't even understand the work they're doing. And the work they're doing is looking at a computer screen that's covered with numbers and finding and identifying the numbers that are quote unquote scary. Some of the numbers just kind of vaguely seem scary to them. Uh, and so they just sit there all day doing this mysterious task that that they can't really explain what they're doing. They're just looking for scary numbers. 
And that's that's how I feel. That's that's how I feel about what I was doing today. I was looking yeah. for scary numbers. That is interesting. Yeah, I like. I think Severance, uh, not having seen it, maybe paints uh, uh, or explores, I guess, how it is bad or the downsides of splitting yourself uh, in in this way. Um, but I find it very nice for my experience, uh, and it is not just simply, um, you know, there is a kind of one work me and one uh, kind of casual rat me. Um, there are obviously more than that. But I, I find it very nice to sort of have a layer of distance between what I give my workplace and the government knowledge and like what information they have about me and, uh, you know, what is just for like the people close to me and uh, those aspects that um, I like, I, I don't feel it's like, uh, kind of bad to have those splits. I I, I think there are uh, it's a way to live uh, mm. in in the cruel and capricious world that we live in. The one article that I did read about severance, I think it may have even actually been called this. It was like who cleans the floors in severance, and was kind mm. of also talking about like some of the limitations of the premise of the show. Um, not just like oh here's a plot hole in the show, but kind of like it seems to be very good at imagining like this certain kind of um, job environment where you could conceivably uh, split your work and non-work persona, but kind of looking at like, well, how would that apply to different kinds of non-office jobs, but that are crucial to the functioning of this office kind of environment? Where are those people? And that's not something that is kind of really explored in the show. Um, and I found it interesting. Yeah. That, uh, hmm, uh, if you, if you have a link to that, I'd love to read that because yeah, yeah, I, lo- I do, I do love the show. I do, I do think, yeah, it does, it doesn't extend it, it, it. That does seem to be kind of a blind spot in its conception of, of what it's critiquing. Um, yeah. Which I think it's fine. It's fine to tell a very specific, uh, story with blind spots and it's also fun to, you know, read other people's thoughts on them. Yeah. I, of- I often feel that all, all I'm doing in my job is scary numbers. <laughs> Yeah. Um, even though like it's not, I, I'm doing real concrete things, but I'm also doing, I'm also just sitting, staring at a computer all day, moving data around and doing things that I don't think I could quite easily explain to other people. Yeah. I mean, not to, not to blame you for this, but you, you are a self-proclaimed Excel liker. So sort of oh, I love it. Yeah. all the, all the scary numbers, uh, in your job in life. Yeah. I'm going to say you bring that on yourself. <laughs> Yeah. Not only am I an Excel liker, I'm, I'm like specifically an Excel liker and not a spreadsheet liker. Like I don't like, I have a brand loyalty to Microsoft Excel. I do not think Google Sheets is adequate. I do not think uh, Apple's numbers program is good enough. It's Microsoft Excel or nothing for me. Oh, wow. I didn't know that Apple had gotten in there. Yeah, they've had it for many years and theirs, theirs is not, uh, it's a toy. I have contempt for it. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that's a whole lot of... Uh, Whatever. But I, I am hoping that um, through psychological evaluation, they'll be able to tell me some things about my brain and wh- why it is the way it is and what what we can do about it. Yeah. I hope anything you would like to uh, update on that, um, if you if and when you do get updates, uh, I would be happy to hear. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, stay tuned then. Do you want to talk about action items? This feels like a sort of natural... Uh, progression into action items. Yes, I will pull those up. 
in my Word document that is also sponsored uh, by Microsoft mm-hmm. Word. Okay, so I had two action items from last week. Uh, last week, I say. We did not record last week. We recorded oh. September 28th. Um, action item one was to quit something. Just stop. Action item two was to fix something. Mm. Did you quit anything? No. <laughs> failed Failed step one. I did fix things. I did not quit. Hmm. What did you fix? Well, don't make me have to actually <laughs> <laughs> speak on it. You don't, you don't need to. You don't need to speak if you don't. I don't need if, to speak if... on it. I'm sure I fixed things. I don't think I quit anything. I think I'm still doing it all. Wow, so it's a real <laughs> nothing for nothing. Uh, well, no, I feel like, okay, so this isn't official, uh, and I haven't really made it official, but I have kind of made the decision that the season of the moment that I'm currently working on is going to be the last season of the moment for, okay. uh, at least for a very long while. Like, I am, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it to rest after what I'm doing now, just because I feel like it needs, uh, it needs to, to kind of go away for a while but that's that's uh i guess that's uh that's 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 the most i've, I've quit in anything nice i i think that that is as as a person who has not been able to let go or quit things in my life i respect that sort of uh that you see like hey i don't want to do this right now and stop doing it well thank you i i appreciate that um yeah. and my immune system fixed my covid so that that's true. That counts. That's a part of you. So yeah. you sort of like kind of copyright or intellectual property, your immune system, anything they do, you sort of also get to claim. Yeah, I get the credit. Yes. Yes. God, have I really not fixed anything concrete? I guess not. I take it back then. <laughs> didn't do didn't do anything. Didn't quit anything. I don't know. I don't want to leave it at that. Like I, I did something that I was proud of. Uh, it did not fix the problem, but I'll just share that. Um, I did set a boundary with my uh, principal, who is my supervisor. This did not fix sort of how ongoing bad our workplace relationship is <laughs> but for me to in a meeting with multiple uh union representatives there on my behalf there with me i was able to uh say to my principal like two things that she had done that i either found hey you asked me to do this and i felt that that was inappropriate of you to ask me to do and also like hey you reprimanded me in front of um students and i feel that that was inappropriate for you to do because it affects my uh authority and relationship with students to be able to do my job Mm. so uh very small things but being able to say anything to an authority figure that is like setting a boundary or not just like, yeah, sure. <laughs> and anything that could be perceived as like disrespectful or defiant. Um, mm. That's, that's big for me. That is an important and difficult thing to do. And yeah. I feel like it is in the spirit of quit things, fix things, even if not, it's not literally quite an example of either of those, but it is definitely the spirit of them. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So uh, we can uh, assuredly say I did not do either of the action items, but I did something. Yeah. Can I, I want to speak to a, uh, a, a past action item. Okay. I went to the dentist. 
Oh, oh, that's, I don't even know if I still, if I had this on the same Word document when we talked about <laughs> dentist. Uh, but we did talk about it, did we not? Treat yourself to the dentist. I think that is the, uh, on this laptop, that was in March 2022, March 3rd. Sounds right. That was one of our action items. Treat yourself to the dentist. Well, yeah. good for you, because I sure have not. <laughs> yeah, I finally got around to it. It was not uh, not a very pleasant experience. It made me kind of realize how good my hometown dentist was. I was like, oh, this is this is nothing compared to... Um, I'll, I'll, I'll buzz market uh, David Ward. <laughs> David Ward in Rhode Island. Um, great, great dentist and a, and a great man. Well, very nice. Yeah. Do you have any action items to suggest or propose? Which I do, yeah. Um, I think I'll also do a shout out um, for my action item. Uh, watch one of Harold Linnea's or uh, David Hartline as this YouTuber is also known, this Let's Player is also known. Watch one of his um, videos on YouTube. Hmm. This is the um, person that my friends and I are currently using to uh, go through the Kingdom Hearts games that we are not like able to play. So like uh, 358 over two days uh, is originally for the DS. We don't have a DS to kind of gather around and play or it would be very wow. hard to do so. I didn't even know that. Wow. Hero Rotlinea's uh, playthroughs were the only ones we could find on YouTube that were not only like no commentary, but also that would like actually talk to the characters. Uh, oh, I see what you mean. Uh, you can get a lot of like missed dialogue if you are just like, yeah, I'm going to go through the game and kind of do the missions and not like talk to the organization 13 members who are in the break room and therefore miss, uh, you know, little tidbits. So that was very good. And this is a very prolific, uh, those uh, Let's Plays uh, for 358 over two days, I think were like from 2015. And and he is still uploading uh, weekly, doing Xenoblade uh, Chronicles. Ooh. Three doing Dragon Quest, doing Dragon uh, a whole a whole lot of games still. So there, there's probably something if you don't want to play this game where you have played it and want to watch someone else play it. Mm. I, I recommend that is my action item. Pick and watch one of uh, David Hartline's Let's Plays. It's not a Let's Play. He doesn't talk. I'm glad this YouTuber uh, talks to the organization, organization 13 members, because what's the point of even playing a Kingdom Hearts game if you're just going to blow past the Organization 13 members? Exactly. Why would you do it? Okay. Um, I also have a watch something uh, action item, and it's to watch the anime Mobile Suit Gundam, The Witch from Mercury, which is uh, the current iteration of the Mobile Suit Gundam series, and only the second, it's not the second one I've ever seen, but it's like the second one I've really uh, committed to like, yeah, I'm going to watch this whole thing. Um the first one being the literal first one from 1979, um, but this this is a, it's a it's a good one, and I I am liking it a lot so far. It's three episodes in, four if you count the little prologue they released beforehand. Uh, yeah, it's good. All right, this is uh, the Gundam series that uh, many many on the Revolutionary Girl Utena Discord that I uh, am part of many are talking about this uh, show uh, because it seems to have drawn heavily from 
uh, yeah. some so, some of the the scenes in its first couple episodes. It has been compared a lot to uh, yeah to Utena. It has been compared a lot to Yu Gi Oh GX, <laughs> which yeah to, to target targeting uh, me specifically. Uh, yeah, I know those are both close to your heart. I don't really have much experience with either of them, but uh, what I will say is it's very good. Uh, it's it's a little bit it's a little bit goofy in a way that I enjoy. Um, some I know some of the Gundam series go for like a very hard drama thing, but it also doesn't hold back on some of the more like hard edged parts of Gundam, which are like the uh, the horrors of war and like the cruelty of uh, politics and capitalism. Uh, so there, it is. It is. It is fun to watch. All right, I will. I will do my best. To, yeah. Um the big ask for me is uh watch a current show that is like currently airing yeah uh, and and put my uh sort of put my heart into a show that is you know not out there and i have to have the risk of uh watching it as it airs and not knowing what's going to be happening i don't have the like uh kingdom hearts yeah people people have uh definitely been here before you uh sort of recommendation for it. Yeah, I mean it it, it depends I, I I can see how I there's there's a lot of discussion on in on the internet about whether about like our character which characters are going to die. Yes. Because this is the kind of show where uh characters die. Uh and as of right now that's a total mystery. And if you're really concerned about like oh the two the two main characters are they going to get together? Are they going to die? Are they going to become enemies on the opposite sides of war? I don't know. These are, these are things that uh, are quote unquote spoilers, but also I can see how um, it might be more reassuring to know uh, before you go in, like what the shape of the thing is. Yeah, that's even what it is for me. I pro- probably would not seek out um, like, here's exactly what happens. I would sort of seek out vibes of like, hey, if I'm getting into uh, this uh, particular, um, let me, mobile suit Gundam the witch from mercury mm-hmm. that's the, what it's called if i'm getting into this one yeah am i am i expecting like i'm expecting to cry <laughs> yeah like uh, am i ex- expecting a genre subversion that is like gonna uh, get very serious all of a sudden am i expecting like kind of holding my breath because there is going to be like a rewarding like romantic pairing at the end or it's like kind of the shape of things like you were saying even without knowing specifically uh what is happening it's like kind of that sense of going in uh to something that is completed versus going into something that is still unfolding um yeah anyhow i think that's a, a good place to leave it what do you think yeah me too and and these are ones where uh, they're specific enough that I will I will know probably when we record next if I have done them or not. <laughs> mm, yeah, one hopes. One hopes. All right. Well, um, one of the things that we're doing at the end of all of these episodes is mentioning the fact that there is a Twitter account that uh, posts things related to the show, mainly just lets you know when there's a new episode. And that's at SDW underscore pod. Yes. Yes, we like to mention that, and we like to know the Twitter name. Yeah, even though, um, yeah, we said that we did that. You did that. I'll take credit too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> because we share this podcast. Okay, and the other thing we do, um, basically every single time when we end these episodes, is we stay distant. And we go. Distant.